Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Hey everyone, this is Scott, your host. In following my own voice that calls to adventure, I recently traveled to the kingdom of Bhutan, the land of the Thunder Dragon and the last Shangri-La. Bhutan is a mystical and magical place high in the Himalayas, and it's known for its breathtaking nature, ecology, spirituality, and the happiness of its people. It's the only carbon negative country in the world, and it's known as one of the happiest places on earth. I joined Paralympic gold medalist Karen Dark on this journey, along with eight others, and it was the trip of a lifetime. The show you're about to hear is just one of a three-part series on Bhutan. In the first episode, we'll cover a recap of the trip from the participants' point of view and the transformations that took place. In part two, we'll dive deeper into the spirituality of Buddhism in Bhutan with His Holiness Kedrup Rinpoche, a reincarnated master. And in part three, we'll learn about the Bhutanese concept of gross national happiness used as a filter for governing through a focus on the happiness of the people over economics. I hope you'll join me for all three of these enlightening conversations. This is episode two of the series. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Scott Wurzbacher, and this episode is going to be very special. Spirituality and Buddhism are at the very center of Bhutanese culture, and they play an integral role in the widely recognized sense of happiness that exists there. As part of the journey, our trip organizers blessed us with the privilege to spend time with a very wise and compassionate Buddhist leader And this person moved me deeply. It is one of the great honors of my life to have him as a guest on this show today. I am so excited to introduce you all to Kedrup Rinpoche, the fifth successive reincarnation of the first Kedrup who lived and served Bhutan in the 1700s. Rinpoche is the founder and incumbent president of the Kedrup Foundation, a nonprofit religious organization and he's head of the Sangchen Ogyen Sutlak Monastery in Trongsa, Bhutan. Upon returning from our trip, it was my hope to be able to share the wisdom of Bhutan and Eastern spirituality on this podcast, and Rinpoche has ever so graciously agreed to help do that. Your Holiness, welcome to the campfire. Thank you so much, Scott. It is really honorful me to be part of this podcast and this is my first time doing a podcast so i hope whatever i share here i hope that benefits everyone i mean to your listeners especially thank you thank you thank you so much for having me thank you i am so excited you know our group um was so lucky to have had spent time with you uh in bhutan over dinner 
And then we had this amazing and absolutely magical opportunity to actually come to your monastery and spend the night at the monastery with you and with the monks that live there. And we, we had an opportunity to really get to know you. I just wonder if we could start, um, for those listening that haven't had that opportunity, if we could just spend a couple of minutes helping my listeners get to know who you are. And uh, so I wonder if we first could just start with a, a quick explanation of the meaning of the title Rinpoche. The Rinpoche, uh, basically, it means a precious one. You know, the, it, it goes to the name, uh, this, this name especially goes to those who are, uh, you know, not by how much wealth they have, or not by, um, you know who this person is particularly with this especially uh in terms of like materialistic things we, this is not the name for this this kind of things this name is particularly for those who are actually really highly realized one and very highly learned in terms of buddhism and then who has this great uh, precious and you know, wisdoms uh in that one person that so the name goes to this kind of person called you know Rinpoche. this name comes to me uh, not because i have these great qualities uh i am still um i should i i am a noble man i am i leg off all those great qualities i still have to build these great qualities in me you know and it will take another i don't know like you know life and another kind of like a lifetime so i don't know whether i i, I really really qualified myself to be called Rinpoche or not but you know people have been so kind to me and then they have given me this title Rinpoche not because of my quality but because of where the seat i'm sitting on and then the service that i give to people and the opportunity that i'm given it is given to me especially with the name that I, the moment that when i was recognized as a fifth reincarnation of Kedru Prempoche. Mm -hmm. People are kind enough to uh, embrace, I mean, kind enough to uh, empower me with this yeah. great title, but I'm, I'm still praying that may I really become the precious one. You know? <laughs> so, so this name to me is kind of like, you know, uh, a kind of power. It, it's kind of like one, one thing that I it makes me always to have an aspirations to myself. Mm. So may I be able to have enhance all those great uh, precious qualities one day in my life. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. So you mentioned uh, the recognition. You were recognized as a, a Rinpoche as the fifth successive uh, reincarnation. And um, I was reading a little bit on the Kedrup Foundation website, and it talked about the, the recognition process that happened at a very early age. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, there are so many different ways of uh, recognizing the young Tulkus, we call it Tulkus, uh, the reincarnate ones, in especially the Tibetan culture and Buddhist culture, it's almost similar, you know. And uh, in one way of doing this recognition is that uh, um, your predecessors leave, uh, leave kind of like, you know, uh, prophecies saying that, you know, where you're going to be born and also when the child itself uh, or himself or herself has this uh, qualities of remembering the past so in my case uh, when my mom when she was just 13 years old my predecessor was still alive and mm -hmm. she happens to have met him 
several incidents and in one incident uh, so he kind of uh, said to her that when i if i have a power to be reborn i will be born as your son so that's mm -hmm. uh, kind of like prophecy that he has left to my mom so following after after he died the fourth the fourth kedru chenambache even after he died so in 1990 i was 1990 may 9th i was born mm -hmm. and uh, i i i can't remember anything right now but you know when I, this is what my parents and also uh, when i was as a child i could i, I had the slight memories of how i used to remember that but i can't remember the past but i can remember my, how i used to speak about the past uh, in the young age so I used to remember maybe like, you know, those uh, incidents about the past lives and the histories and something that that is related to that kind of things and belongings, recognizing the belongings of the predecessors. And, and also uh, there were a kind of like a confirmation uh, from the highly realized masters saying that, hey, this is a mistaken child of the fourth kid group and like that. So I was recognized that way. And uh, I was brought to monastery uh, when I was 11, so okay. uh, pretty late age. But I think when I was just four or five years old, I was officially recognized. And I was once enthroned within this the communities of Kedru, past Kedru Brimbishes. Yeah, and this is how I did. Yeah, and so you actually just mentioned the actual, the actual enthronement, and that was another thing that I read on your website. Um, there was some mention on there about um, how he, you had become ill, and there was a prophecy about um, the cure for the illness. Can you speak to that? Yeah, that one I I I, I pretty have don't uh, I pretty don't much uh, don't have much things to talk about because uh, I was uh, seriously ill, mm -hmm. and uh, I I I. I you know, I went to the hospitals. I was actually studying, and um, uh, I went to hospitals. I get some treatments, but it it couldn't work. You know, for almost a year long. So I was uh, I was really really uh, not doing well. So some of my uh, uh, kind of like hardcore uh, followers, I could say, uh, so they were quite worried, and uh, they thought I won't leave. So they kind of like. Uh, visited those masters that who have this clairvoyance so they kind of are sick for a prediction saying that uh, can you please uh, uh, i mean divinations it's kind of like mm -hmm. a divination so they can you please do a divinations for young Boucher, how he could be doing he is not doing well and then they kind of uh, uh, in in this divinations it comes out that uh, I should be uh, grandly enthroned so that uh, he will be all right. So it's kind of like a miracle, you know. Yes. So I was asked uh, to come to the monastery and uh, they have uh, arranged this big, big, big kind of event and uh, almost like thousands of people gathered. So on that, uh, I was officially enthroned. And um, since after that, uh, yeah, it looks like you know, somehow like a miracle. Um, all of my sickness were gone. I was all right. And there was I, I, I revisited my doctors and said, oh, you have no sickness now. Don't worry. You could just continue with these medicines. So sometimes, I don't know, maybe like uh, I really can't explain what kind of logic is there behind this yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But it actually worked. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's a miracle. Uh, it's amazing.
Hey everyone, it's Scott here. Did you know that the members of my real estate team, W Realty Group, are listening to their own voices that call to adventure by setting big goals? Some of those goals include planning trips to Bali and the Kingdom of Bhutan, buying investment homes and running the Chicago Marathon. At W Realty Group, we support and encourage these big goals and want to help turn them into reality. We're currently looking to add new members to the team. If you know a great real estate agent in the Charlotte, North Carolina area that would benefit from being part of our team, please send a text, an email, or give me a call. And know that when you support W Realty Group, you're also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening. So can you kind of talk us through, like from that point, like the enthronement, kind of maybe talk you through sort of your journey in your teenage years and your early 20s as you're kind of going through this process and your studies and and kind of how you got from uh, recognition to enthronement to now um, where you are uh, leading the Kedra Foundation, running well, the monastery. First of all, I think, I think the, um, this might be a quite common thing but where everyone would kind of say, hey, everyone, my, my parents was like that. But I, I would like to say I'm blessed to have my parents, though I was, my parents mm. were uh, kind of like poor family. Uh, and then I was actually really, really born in poor family. And actually, uh, I could say like a very remote place where there was no car, car road, there was no electricity. And till I think 2000, um, uh, I think seven, eight, there was no electricity in, in that area and there was no telephones. Mm. And there was something so-called wireless long-term bag, I could remember. And uh, now, um, uh, just 2000, I think uh, 2021, so there is there's a car road now recently has reached that place. So I was born in that kind of places in which I have experienced how the 19th century might look like in a house. Yeah. I have these memories because when 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 we when I was raised, uh, we the light was not uh, electricity, neither that was solar. You know, it was like this. How to say pine cone. You know, we need to be, yeah. Okay. We have to burn some of the pine wood sometimes. So like, so yeah, yeah. it can burn well. Yeah. So, and then kind of one or two years later, then there was a uh, kerosene. So, so we need, we used to use these kind of things for lights at, at night. And uh, yeah, so many incidents like that, you know. And um, I was born these kind of places. So you know, born in that kind of poor family background, and I was recognized, but it was very challenging, you know, but uh, now when you talk, when you are talking about, like, you know, a young Ribeshe to really get this, I mean, like, formal educations, uh, you know, not all, everything has been done by a monastery or everything else, you know, some part, your family has to support it. So my family was not able to do that. So I was kind of like, you know, where uh, young Ribeshes had taken place at, I was not able to do that. But yet, when I really recollect things back, it was all blessings. I was left in the local monasteries educating until I think 2006, you know, so I was left there I, when I turned 16, 2006. So I was then formally uh, enrolled in higher Buddhist studies and mineraling in India. Uh, where I actually completed my uh, kind of masters in sutras and tantras, which in um, 2015 I graduated from that, and uh, also mm, you know my former 
let's say my predecessor, Ford Kedrupchen Rinpoche, didn't have any monasteries to take care of. He was a wanderer yogi. So he used to just hide inside uh, uh, the caves and sometimes he, you know, like wanders around. He had, he, actually, he holds a family. So he has sons and daughters to yeah. look after. So he was really, really a great practitioner in that way, but he uh, didn't succeed in, in this looking after the monasteries and so and so, which actually he was very brilliant. So he was practicing in his, his entire life, where today I don't get this opportunity. Um, so to um, to kind of like, how to say, shift your life from where uh, nothing else to have something else is, is something else, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So when I was just uh, studying in, 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 in university, um, the bunch of people from central Bhutan, when I was actually making a pilgrimage, my one of my assistants used to be from that area where my monastery is today. Mm -hmm. And he kind of invited me to his place saying that he has a piece of land so that he just to visit, you know, he just said, please come and bless my land so that in future we yeah. can do something else. I said, okay, let's go because that's future. You know, I was just uh, 18 years old, so it's just nothing big deal. You know, so, okay, let's go. It's all along the way. And we reached there. So a bunch of people just approached us like, can you please take care of this temple, you know? And uh, not knowing any background histories of the temple, you know, and anything else, so I was just forced to take care of that. So I said, like, you know, I'm not capable of that. But they, they just kind of insisted again and again. And uh, some of my kind of advisors also said, like, you know, now you should take care of that. And I was just, you know, like I was studying, you know, I can't manage financially. I can't manage, you know, <laughs> to yeah. kind of like uh, do do any kind of administration work at the same time. So and when I was just 19, so I was really forced to take care of this monastery. So I have to take, I mean, like, I have to actually receive that monastery officially from the government and the people. And um, yet, you know, it was so many things going on at the same time. So it was very, very difficult to really manage that temple and the monastery. Let's say like, you know, there was almost six, uh, 16, 17 young monks living with me. And then uh, they were kind of, when I just go to my studies, they were teacherless. They were, <laughs> they, they were foodless. Sometimes, yeah. So it was very difficult to manage that. <laughs> anyway, some of them were so 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 brave that they leave the monastery for the education, and they did well. And you know, I am really I I have no nothing to be offended about. So I am so happy for that. They leave because they have they have to yeah. build their life. So I think 2014, 15 after after my graduation, then only I would able to enroll in all those constructions, everything, and then I. Uh, in order to really raise this uh, big project, and you know, which actually that that happens, you know, this entire monastery happens to be a really historical temple, and uh, you know, you really wanted to keep that as historical piece, or you wanted to just create it in another mo monument. It's up to you, isn't it? So you have this uh, authority to uh, the, to use the entire lands around the monastery. So then I began to construct or you know i i kind of like you know got a little bit help from my followers and my friends and and then like this is how we actually began you know we began with hostels and then now we begin with the conference hall and we begin with guest house and dining halls and so that now we have nearly like you know 40 to 50 monks living there in their ones yeah. like in the retreat centers then then the almost like how to say like you know 
those who are, I mean, old enough to study the higher Buddhist studies. We have studied uh, uh, academic studies from last year, and then uh, the junior ones are doing their schools. So kind of like now we are running a big family. <laughs> so so to in, to in order to support these things, I raised the Kedro Foundation in 2017. So again, my uh, Buddhist uh, followers and my friends around the world in, uh, kind of like encouraged me to start that, you know, the organizations to support and to really connect people, you know, for, around from the world. So it's very important for me. So it's kind of like how to say some of, some part of my activities in my life is I feel like, you know, uh, it has helped so many ways to establish through that kind of organizations. <laughs> yeah, it's important. And so this monastery that you're talking about is the monastery that, that my group and I came to, to visit and, uh, and we spend time with you there and it is breathtaking. It is uh, high up in the mountains of Trangsa and it looks out over the valley and there's beautiful structures, both uh, historic and new. I think the building that that we spent the night in was only a year yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, just beautiful. And so um, I think that you have forty something monks that are there now. Nearly fifty. Yeah. When I mean, you can I mean, include all the monks and the retreat and everything, which you didn't, you you guys yeah. didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm curious, how how do the monks come to be at that monastery? You know, we have uh, different categories of monks there. Uh, um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, there are uh, just a few numbers of monks that who are from a very wealthy family background and who has really interest, a keen interest to become a monk, just a few. And uh, most mm-hmm. of them are, let's say, like orphan or like kind of like single, single-handed family. So either like you mm-hmm. know from a family background of like those families are alcoholic like that. So, um, okay. so they kind they kind of some of them are brought to uh, the monastery by the parents. Some of them are brought to them uh, to the monastery in open on their own interest. But I would like to choose to. I, I would like to uh, talk about uh, those uh, family. I mean, those uh, the monks that who, uh, who come up on their own interest. I mean, they get some kind of like you know. Um, uh, they really wanted to kind of like uh, this is kind of their fantasy. You know, when you they, when they see, sometimes like you know the monks are invited to the kind of like their house to perform ceremonies. And when they kind of like see like this fancy trumpet blowings and you know playing the symbols and like you know charmed and also oh wow it looks so good I want to become that you know they become that more attractive yeah. you know what and then they become that kind of thing because of their attractive uh, and uh, unless that they are quite quite old enough they won't realize why what is the purpose of the monkhood they won't know that so. We kind of like say, okay, come, and then we are going to give you education. That's very important. It's not only about the monastery educations, but we are trying to give them as much as possible the modern education so that their life is built. You know what? This education should be able to transform somebody's life. Otherwise, you know, this uh, monastery education, you know, what you learn from blowing, uh, I'm learned to blow something, conch, blow the trumpets. Things uh, it might yeah. work when you are in the monastery, but when you go out of monasteries, then I don't know that would really work. Right. Out. If you have to, for, for example, if you are 
if you have to drive the taxi, you know, you can't just blow the trumpet in the taxi. <laughs> so, so we are trying to really, you know, cooperate this with this modern education as much as possible. So that's what we do. And then um, those who actually comes from a wealthy family, those who comes after their graduations, you know, they know the purpose of why they have to become a monk. You know, the, the reason to become a monk is to actually achieve an enlightenment in this lifetime, whether they were able to do that, do that or not. But actually, that's a that's a that's a value that they hold inside. That's a mission they have. So, so they study in order. Um, they study to become enlightened. They uh, contemplate and analyze to become enlightened. They meditate to become enlightened. So they have kind of pure perceptions for that. They have concrete perceptions for that. So it's really wonderful. Those who are young ones, we still say like you know they are so pure in their heart. They're still wondering something else. They still have so many things to uh, you know uh, encounter in this life. So what we give them is we give them home, we give them schools, we give them education. So that's what I can say. And then once they kind of grow up, if they wanted to say like, okay, this is not my place. Okay, yes, fine. You know, you just go and live your normal life. So basically, this is the monastery is not just a monastery where uh, they get the monkhood education, but I, I actually really want to say this. The monastery is something that I get to practice the humanity. You know, this is what important mm. beyond everything. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so that's that's really just profound. The uh, the humanity piece of it, and uh, I I, I want to relate kind of my experience when we came to the monastery because our very first experience when we arrived was the young monks lined up to receive us and i mean they were i mean they're as cute as can be they're just adorable they're full of curiosity they're full of fun um we just had an absolute blast just playing with them that first afternoon i mean we found a ball we were playing catch with them we were you know, uh, they, they were taking pictures. There's a couple of people in my group that are photographers and say so they were playing with the monks, the young monks and showing them how to use the camera. And uh, they're just so full of like life and vibrancy. And, you know, I think it was just, it, it was really like probably one of the most memorable experiences for me was to just have that experience with those young monks. And I think just for the listeners, like to just hear what life is like for them, especially the young monks, it, it's, it would be really helpful. Yeah, you know, how we used to be when we were a, when we were a child. So it's almost like similar for them yeah. as well. You know, always excited about uh, if there is something to play with, you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, child's almost like that. Many of many of I think my childhood memories. I think uh, the same thing. You know, I used to just enjoy what my teachers asked me not to do. You know, all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is the nature of the child. You know, they they're mischievous, obviously. You know, they just like to. Uh, but I would like to tell you this: like now, my our monks that who lives in the monastery we always remember my i also remind our director and then the, some of our teachers to teach them the value that you know uh, not just simply uh education from the books but also from uh you know like street smart for example it's very important so mm -hmm. um when there is a guest coming 
you know, learning something from them is also very important. So everyone is a teacher. If you have ability to learn from another person, you know, any, any kind of life, I mean, any kind of things, incidents in your life can become a wisdom in your life. If you have ability to take that as a wisdom, you know, to, you know, transform your life. So they're always kind of like, you know, waiting to, you know, have something else in their lives, you know, always excited about something else. For example, if there's a football, wow, football, you know what? And they're not always excited about the football, football, football. If there's like, you know, football for a week long, then it's like, oh, so boring. You know, this is what they are, you know, and uh, they have to like, okay, jump in the television. It's like, oh, wow, televisions. And then again, not always about television. And sometimes they're, kind of good with the kind of like singing, for example, you know, like they get so excited about that thing as well. And then they have, uh, they get excited, for example, um, the guest house that we, uh, we have, you know, we sometimes get different kind of like guests, like, you know, you, like your group is uh, foreigners and uh, we have like Buddhist guests. And so when Buddhist guests, we have a kind of young age and old age people. And then, you know, it's, yeah. we don't, have, we don't have outside people to manage that. Guest house, it's all done by monks, you know, the, the room making and then serving the tea and then you know, helping the guests and all those things. So what I, what I try to kind of like encourage them is like, you know, we really need to have all those kind of qualities in your life in order to function your life properly, because life itself is a big business thing, by the way, really. And now, again, in living in this 21st century is a big challenge. A big challenge because you know anything anything has to be done with you know like if there is no let's say like a skills that you have if you lack of skills then if let's say pretty say you, you it's for hundred percent like and that person would become almost like 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 a beggar isn't it you know you yeah. you really for example if you have to do a business you have to have a pr you have to have a economical knowledge you have to have a skills to you know do the businesses you have to have a skills of how to connect to people so that that person becomes your daily customers it's very important to have this hospitality kind of like mentality is very important so i kind of like always encourage our monks not just me like you know so i'm so grateful that our teachers do there but they you know our director and teachers they all kind of teach this kind of values to our monks it's so important to have this kind of like quality kind of like outcome of this qualities of kindness loving and kindness and excitements you know and what about that mm -hmm. you you kind of encounter in, in within the monastery it's very important to receive that with so much excitement you know that's how we teach them so um, so most of them actually they try to do that you know and uh, every they did that very well very well i mean they were serving us and and uh, made us very very comfortable they're they're definitely learning their hospitality skills they actually are very much in, in into the games as well you know like there is a football they just make every ground the football ground so unless we have a proper <laughs> football ground actually we are, which we are planning to construct a futsal ground for them you know what because within the monastery it's very important for them now the young monks has to have excite exercise exercise otherwise the monks yeah. i think when they kind of like grow older many of them have uh, this how to say like you know, diabetics and, and kidney problem mm. and so and so uh, you know I, I myself when i don't have any exercise so i think it's very important for them so you know unless we have that proper ground 
they will just make every ground as from the ground. <laughs> yeah, they like to play. They definitely like to play. We saw that. Um, Rinpoche, I wanted to ask you because one of the things that we did while we were there with you is we spent time around a campfire and this is the inspire campfire podcast. And I just wanted to acknowledge that evening that we spent together and how much fun we had. Um, your monks made a beautiful campfire for us and we all sat our whole group and you and several of your monks, we sat around this campfire and we talked. Um, but then we also sang and we even, we sang some silly campfire songs and we had some laughs and then one of your young monks actually performed uh, an Ed Sheeran song for us. And it was just so beautiful. And I just wanted to ask you, from your perspective, you know, I'm here in, in the United States right now. You're on the other side of the world. We're 10 hours apart uh, from a time difference. What is it about a campfire? What is it about a fire and sitting around a fire that unites people? Well, the fire energy uh, itself is a kind of like uh, warm. You know, like the nature, nature by nature of the fire is a warmness. But if you do not know how to handle it properly, it will burn you as well. And uh, something so called mm. campfire is very interesting. You know, if you, I have never thought of how to explain that, which, uh, you know, but now I'm actually, you know, when I really think back about these things, it's campfire is not something that is done by one person. Campfire means like you know, a bunch of people getting together, you know, sitting around the fire and then doing one some activities or talking and chit chatting. Anyways, to, to talk, there is something to do with it. So I think campfire basically it, it's a very powerful thing. It could be probably where you can gather with uh, communities where you share the oneness. You know what you can basically say you can share with the oneness. For example, singing a song could be one thing. You know, singing a song means you don't sing a song when you are, you know, going, yeah, you're falling. You know, yeah. singing a song yeah. means like the kind of celebration. <laughs> so celebration means it's a memory, isn't it? It's a memory. You're creating a memory, and that memory is a life, basically. You know, we always we, this life is full of memories, isn't it? What I did yesterday is a memory. What I'm doing right now could be tomorrow's memory. There's always kind of memory, but what kind of memory you want to create? That's very important. You want to create a good memory. Mm -hmm. You want to create a bad memory. It's it's totally on your hand. So if you wanted to have a good memory tomorrow, so it's very important to do something today properly and something something that is good that can that is benefiting others, that is really really something uh, that could transform yourself and others. You know that is good memory type of things. So you know. Campfire can become one of those uh, kind of community building things where people can gather together to, you know, uh, share your values each other, and then uh, you can kind of nourish each other. You can kind of like you know boost each other. You can kind of like you know have a fun of your life. You can create good memories, probably. So that's what I think. Yeah, we created some great memories that night. Great memory. We did. So the next morning after the campfire, we spent some time with you in the temple. Uh, we did some prayer and some meditation. And then um, after breakfast, we got to spend an hour with you. Um, and you gave us some really wonderful teachings. And um, I, I kind of was hoping that you might be able to share some of that. But one of the things during the teachings that really grabbed me in particular um, was on this podcast, we talk a lot about this voice inside that calls us to adventure. 
And the podcast is, it's, it's stories of people that have felt called to go do something and, and they've listened to this voice. And when I was listening to your teachings that morning, you talked about this inner guru that each of us has. And I immediately thought about this voice that calls us to adventure. And I just was wondering if you might be able to share with the listeners a little bit about this inner guru that each of us has. Yeah, this is um, 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 in the Mahayana teaching, especially the Mahayana, the Tan uh, Vajrayana. Um, there is the perceptions of guru, guru student devotion, you know, and uh, I think in the West, uh, there's many, many ways that guru student uh, relationship is somehow also misunderstood in so many ways. And uh, where the gurus has, uh, you know, I don't know, like, you know, whether that's uh, really right words to use it or not, but like, you know, some gurus might have abusive characters and therefore like students uh, mm. do not like it. And some students, of course, you know, uh, might not be always right. Um, but like, you know, when you talk about the guru student devotions, uh, there is, uh, I mean, guru and student uh, connection, there is always there is one connection that is connected through each other is the devotions. You know, so, uh, as I said earlier, the, the purpose of practicing Buddhism is not about, you know, um, uh, uh, kind of, how to say, uh, uh, achieving the peaceful mind and, uh, calm mind and all kind of harmony and happiness this is not a purpose and actually the actual purpose of practicing buddhism i should tell you this these are all byproduct peaceful is byproduct happiness is byproduct you know a joyful is a byproduct a calm mind is byproduct and likewise successful is byproduct all those things are byproduct so the end the, mm -hmm. so the actual uh, purpose of practicing buddhism is enlightenment you know when you when you really talk about enlightenment then that is very important so uh, in in Vajra, especially in vajrayana when you really practice you practice through the devotions through the devotions so it's not just simply meditation meditation it's not always about meditation but there is Meditation is, I don't know what people talk about meditation, what actually the meditation is all about. Meditation is not just simply sitting, not just simply, you know, here I have to be these, do not think about any other things. Some meditations have so many things to do with, you know, invoking yourself, you know, in the visualizations, likewise, so and so. But generally, the essence, I'm talking about essence. Mm. We have these devotions between the guru. Guru means like, you know, hey, you know, obviously we would talk about, hey, my guru means another person, isn't it? Who has a power to guide you through, who has a power to really, really give you the pit instructions towards enlightenment. That's the guru, the one who is already enlightened himself or herself and who actually embodied the entire, the figure of the Buddhas of the of all three times. So that kind of things we call it our guru, you know, that we actually say that's our guru. And we should have this devotion towards the guru. And that you practice through that in order to recognize your own Buddha nature. But the purpose of practicing guru, purpose of having a devotion to guru, is to actually recognize your 
you're yourself, basically, yourself. So when you talk about yourself, you know, uh, when you talk about the guru itself, then there is like, you know, there are all the like different kind of categories of guru. There is outer guru, there is inner guru. For example, if you're talking about the inner guru, the inner guru is none other than your mind. For example, if you talk about the, in, in your, your visit, we talk with, we almost, let's say, all day talks about Padmasambhava, how important that is important. Padmasambhava also himself said, like, and I'm, I'm not separated from yourself, it says. So what does it mean by I'm not separate from yourself? Is it this body Padmasambhava? I think, no, this is actually your mind is Padmasambhava, if you're able to recognize it. So if you're able to recognize that you have this great colleges of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas who have actually enlightened, you know, like, it's the same thing as your mind. Your mind is the same root. So the, for, for, for the present moment, you know, your, your mind is not able to you know, discover this, what is so-called the, the fragrance of the Buddha, you know, is not yet there because your, your mind is covered by, you know, this emotional dots. So if you're mm. able to purify that emotional dance, this purity of the purity and the pristine of this nature of the Buddha nature of the Buddha nature, which is just your I mean, within your mind, will slowly begin to kind of begin to wake up. You know, it will awake itself. So when you talk about the inner guru, so practicing, let's say, practicing mm, the devotions that's to, to your guru is basically you know, building a bridge to recognize your inner guru. So it's very important. Mm. So when you really practice this inner guru, you know, it is only be able to, I mean, it's only available. This is, I think, what basically, what uh, from last 2000 years itself, it, this is how it has been practiced. And it's still practicing this way. And this has proven that, you know, in many ways, this has, this is the accurate way. So, so practicing more towards your outer guru, the devotions that you pay, the practices you do towards your guru, you know, that connects back to your inner guru. So you're able to recognize your inner guru like that. You know? Because, you know, inner guru also has to discover through devotion itself. So devotion that you have to mm -hmm. for your, your respected guru is the same devotion you need to have you to, towards your inner guru. Uh, for example, you know, committing a suicide in in the in in the Buddhism is a big big crime. <laughs> it's a big sin. The reason is that because you're you're murdering a Buddha itself. Because Buddha is not yeah. just the one that who has this radiant and like you know serene looks and like you know so calm looking who has this golden top. That's not just guru. It's a figure of guru. So it's kind of outpost of guru. The actual guru and the actual Buddha is your your own mind. You know, that that's what actually the great Basubandhu, one of the greatest scholars in India, he actually said, he made a statement that you know this Buddha is not outside. Looking for the Buddha outside in yourself in a different kind of different corner of a world is just simply exhausting. Just look into yourself. Your mind is the one which is the Buddha itself. If you're able to recognize that, you don't need to go anywhere, it's just there. <laughs> you just have to discover that your mind, which is the Buddha nature itself. So, so that mind, when you're talking about the Guru, that's your inner Guru. And if you're able to understand this, 
mind itself the mind is the one who is who will guide you through everything else for example the intention wow okay for example if rich people okay i have so much money what should i do okay maybe like you know i should become a philanthropist i should donate it to some poor people or maybe i should donate it to some schools i should donate it to some monastery for example you have to have a thought isn't it where does the thoughts come from it comes from your mind all those good things come from your mind and at the same time if you're not being careful if you're not able to recognize your inner guru then this mind becomes again mischievous you know what oh mm. you know okay i have this much money but now i need more how should i take it he has the money i'll make this project proposal to him i'll take all of his monies you're beginning to steal somebody's money again this mind is the one which is processing all the thoughts so if you, that that's because you're not able to recognize your inner guru you know so if you're able to recognize your inner guru basically it's having a trust on yourself having devotion to yourself mm -hmm. devotion on your great qualities not to that kind of yeah, negative qualities you know these negative qualities are all dust it should remove even these good things has to go actually but there are so many things to talk about this inner guru which if you have a time we can explore more in the future but generally speaking when you talk about the inner guru is basically discovering knowing your own nature is very important having a respect to yourself respect to yourself not just simply putting yourself with a high throne giving yourself the golden jacket is not that respecting yourself means yeah. you know not letting your mind pollute by your emotional doubts taking care of that yeah. watching yourself not letting yourself tortured by your emotional doubts but that's how you respect yourself respect your integrity this way yeah so I, I love this so much and and i heard you say like peace happiness success these are byproducts of enlightenment. Yeah. And so I want to ask, I, I think you've already alluded to this, but I just want to ask the question, can you tell the listeners and can you tell me what is enlightenment? So enlightenment has uh, so many, <laughs> I don't know whether this uh, enlightenment does have really the, the kind of accurate translation of, we call it sangye. In, in, in Buddhist word we call Sangje, you know, Sangje, you can say. Sang means purify. Purifying your entire emotional doubts, you know, out of your mind. And Ge uh, means develop. Develop this, the great qualities of the mind itself. It's called uh, alignment, for example. You know, this is how what 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 actually meaning of enlightenment should be, you know, as per as per uh, as per the Dharma. And uh, when you talk about enlightenment in a week, for example, a, a, an ordinary person, for example, myself, everything, every moment, if you're taking, if if you're giving uh, attention on it, enlightenment is always there. You are. You know, you, for example, hey, you know, I did stupid things, isn't it? For example, okay, okay, I went to uh, um, some places and uh, for, for example, pilgrimage, hey, looking around, oh wow, nice, you know, nice scene, you take pictures, uh, visit somebody else, talk with somebody else, eating different kind of food, singing a song, dance, and come back. Sit back, 
thinking about something else. Oh, nothing else. It was all empty again. Hey, these are all just memories. I have just been there. I've wasted so much money there. I have eaten so much foods. That's it. What's there? If there is nothing else that you could actually understand from that, now you realize, hey, I have just wasted my time, isn't it? I shouldn't do that in future. That's one enlightenment, isn't it? You're realizing how you have wasted your things. And you have, for example, especially suffering. I would tell you, especially suffering is something that could always contribute something to your enlightenment. If you are able to understand the suffering in the proper way, you know, suffering means like, you know, you're struggling something, isn't it? It's not just physical suffering, but your mental suffering, for example. We call it mental illness or something, and which in the in the West I think emotions are very very important, and where uh, in in the East we would talk hundred percent opposite of that. How emotions is not uh, emotions are important less, for example. You know, of course it's very important. You mm -hmm. have to give it give the time and, and all the resources to understand that, but we don't give much kind of like you know times and energies to understand that and to give some attentions to that as much as possible emotions are emotions you are supposed to forget that for example anger anger does not stays all the time anger comes and then by the nature that you understand the anger is there the anger is gone isn't it your kind of anger is not yeah. uh, something a permanent thing it's the same thing again so realizing these things for example understanding the true nature of yourself your mind is alignment when you really kind of like transform your mind totally, when you really, when you're fully awakened of your mind, you're, you're enlightened. That's how we can say. Thank you. That's a, that's a beautiful answer. I want to um, kind of finish up with sort of bringing back to like the Western culture. So when we came to visit you and we had dinner. Um, one of the common questions that the whole group had for you was, you know, we, we, we took this trip more as a pilgrimage than, you know, a sightseeing trip. Like we wanted to come learn from the people of Bhutan. We wanted to come learn from you and see what, what things we could bring back to our Western culture to share with our communities. And so I want to ask you if, if you have any advice for us, um, in our Western culture about how to incorporate some of these things in in the way that we live uh, the United States and Europe and Canada, because th th those are the countries that, that we came from. But, but what advice would you have for us here in the Western culture? Well, the Western cultures are very liberating, isn't it? <laughs> I think if I'm, I don't know, I might be wrong. But for me, I think Western cultures are very liberating. And, uh, and yes, at the same time, there are people that who are not liberated at all, who are really, 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 you know, attached to something else, their name and the fam. And, uh, yeah, have, you know, like, you know, it could be everywhere like that. But one, one thing that we need to keep in mind is that, uh, you know, we should be, uh, we should understand whatever you do, whatever the cause it is, uh, it's very important to have something in your life that you have to have a mission, isn't it? I don't know. Sometimes good and good and good to have a mission, but sometimes it's too bad. You know, you have been chasing this dream and missions for lifetimes, and you still get uh, you, know, you get so exhausted about the things. And sometimes good, sometimes it's too bad. But what I what I have to tell you is that wherever you go, whatever you do, you know, you have been carrying out the same thing, memory. 
And the nature of this memory is all impermanence. And this impermanent thing is, is emptiness. So whatever you do is very, very important to have, you know, like you have to, we should learn to how to be free from this kind of like how does attachment of whatever it is. Attachment is something that keeps us binded. It's very important to let it free. So memory, when it comes, let it come. When it goes, let it go. If you are somewhere else and if you're enjoying the same, just enjoy that. If you are there to, and I mean like, you know, do a tall kind of like pilgrimage, just do that. Learn the values. Enlighten yourself. Otherwise, everything is impermanent. Everything is emptiness. One day everything is going to vanish out of your eyes, you know. And uh, so, therefore, just simply be yourself. Just simply stay in the present moment. Enjoy whatever that you're doing. That's, I don't know what I should say more than this. I, I, I don't know that you need to. I think that's exactly, I mean, I think that's just perfect. I think that's a perfect way for us to finish. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm curious if, is there any, is there anything else that, that, that you'd like to share um, in terms of, you know, the, our, our group that came to visit or any other wisdom that you'd like to share with us before we wrap up? Well, um, it was really great. You gave me this opportunity but uh, I have uh, not so much, I, I haven't thought anything special, but, you know, time and again, again speaking, that now uh, everyone who is listening to this podcast, we all have this uh, nature of enlightenment in ourselves. So therefore, um, we have to have a, a faith in our life. We have to have a devotion in our life, but not always for something that is outside in yourself, sometimes it's very important. Look into yourself. You should have your own faith. You should have your own devotions. You look into your own nature. Stay calm. Be happy. You know. So that's a that's a very natural way of doing it. Otherwise, always looking outside, we end up polluting something else that contributes sometimes to the global warming as well. So <laughs> it's very important to purify yourself, be yourself, and discover your own nature. It's very important at the same time. You know contribute more on outside environments and you know, when you are clean inside that definitely will contribute the cleanliness of the outside world so so um you know that's it what i wanted to just uh, say and thank you so much it is really really uh, you know like a, a wonderful kind of like a pleasure feeling <laughs> to, to be all yes thank you I and I, I might take you up on that conver that conversation to go deeper on the inner guru because that that was that's a really wonderful conversation. I, it was my absolute honor to have you on this show. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on here and speaking with me. And for those who are listening, I hope that you have been inspired today as much as I have. I hope the wisdom of His Holiness has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure your inner guru, because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or you need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thank you for listening. Rinpoche, thank you so much for thank being you, here Scott. today. Thank you so much.